In this episode, I interview Scott Anderson, CEO of John Piper's Desiring God Ministries. Piper has impacted countless people with a transformative idea that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. For sure, an urgently needed message for those raising the next generation. You don't want to miss this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them. Basecamp Live will equip you to conquer the biggest mountains when raising the next generation. Each week, you'll hear from culture watchers, thought leaders, and storytellers who know the tools you'll need to summit the peak and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. Welcome to Basecamp Live. And now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live in the studio today with President and CEO of the Desiring God Ministry, Scott, uh, John Piper's ministry, here with Scott Anderson. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Davies. Good to be here. It's good to finally be here with you. You're actually a Basecamp uh, Live listener out there, which I, I love having listener turned uh that's right. Guest here today. There so. are a few of us out there. Yeah, well, thanks for listening. And, and David Goodwin, who's been on the show before, David, this is the president of the Association of Classical and Christian Schools, headmaster extraordinaire, and just all around good guy, right, David? That's good to be back. It's good to have you here. So yeah. it's, uh, well, we're in the studio today talking about, uh, in, in our few minutes, if you've been around uh, John Piper's world and his work with Desiring God, I don't know if anyone that's probably helped uh, those of us in the church really. Uh, embrace the word hedonism. Um, he's he's sort of taken that from being a bad word to a good word and said, right. we need Christian hedonists. So uh, before we get into all that and just what that has to do with raising the next generation, Scott, a little bit of your story. So you're a dad. That's right. I, am, uh, I love being a dad. Uh, so my wife and I have been married about uh, coming up on 23 years of marriage. And then we have four boys. So Ooh. we know how to do boys, I guess. Wow. And they range. Uh, I have a freshman in college, uh, two in high school, and uh, we also have a, a, an eight-year-old as well. And okay. he's a, he's a spe- special guy. He's actually a special needs little boy. He's got lots of challenges, yeah. and uh, it's just great being a dad and having uh, having the Lord trust us and trust us these four, four human souls. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, Married guy, dad, and then transition. What, what is it? Six, seven years ago, you you became in the CEO role at Desiring God. Yeah, that's right. So I've been at uh, Desiring God since about two thousand, two thousand one. So been at the ministry about sixteen years. Okay, and uh, wore several hats uh, during the course of that time. And um, the longest running was uh, when I was overseeing their events. Uh, we did. Uh, annual pastors conference and we launched a national conference we had a regional conferencing strategy probably did maybe 40 or so events for desiring god and then um, started to help more with networking and partnerships and back in 2010 or so um, they approached me to um, take over as uh, president and ceo and that's where i've been the past six seven years so maybe some folks are listening they don't know who we're talking about i mean what again in our brief (laughs) podcast sort of Put on the radar. Where is John Piper, and what's his sure. contribution here to the to the? It's so many, I know. Yeah. Well, he's uh, John Piper. For those that don't know, I think the the best way to maybe kind of uh, place him would just be uh, he was a uh, pastor of about thirty three years of a uh, church in downtown Minneapolis called Bethlehem Baptist Church, and uh, during that time he wrote many many books, uh, about fifty five books uh, now wow. that he has written or is a uh, uh, part part of in some way. And uh, several years ago, we started a uh, um, um, about four years uh, um, uh, 
back when John was pastoring, I should say, a few years into into that, uh, he'd written a book called Desiring God. And that was sort of the, the his seminal work, a lot of his uh, theological uh, thinking and his take on Christian life and discipleship and worldview, God's supremacy in all things, etc., kind of came together in that book. A few years after that, then, Desiring God, the ministry was born to just kind of assist Pastor yeah. John with that. Yeah. And they were doing tapes and CDs after services and things like that. Jump forward now 20 years, we became a web ministry, and that's probably where most people kind of know us now. They, they, they either know of John Piper and don't know yeah. of Desiring God, or they know of Desiring yeah. God, and then that's a back channel into the work of John yeah, Piper. I really think um, for those of us of our generation, we're kind of, uh, the three of us in the same generation, we uh, were talking at lunch how uh, R.C. Sproul taught us about the holiness of God, and um, uh, John MacArthur, the, the Lordship of Christ, and uh, Piper comes Piper's. along and yeah, steps into the. Really, it's okay to have joy, and you know, one of the things, kind of, this is a huge sweep of the 20th century, and and I think it ties right into kind of the parallel. And and I'm getting vastly oversimplifying, so you guys straighten me out on this. But I mean, basically, Christianity as it was experienced, you know, it, this is such a generalization, kind of maybe a little bit more wooden. It was the mainline churches in the 50s, and then we get to the 60s, and there's. Various, um, contra- you know, evangelist, evangelist evangelism but, explosion. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, 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 and I think Jesus the heart movement. of yeah, and I think we grew up with more of a kind of Christians are people who've read the Roman Road, prayed the prayer, and now we're sort of um, using apologetics training to go argue people into the kingdom. And it was a fairly, I, I, if I could use the word wooden, I mean, it was sort of you know, I think we had this feeling that um, <laughs> thinking back to. The, the Westminster Catechism, those of you in Reformed churches, you know, I think most kids in classical schools, you know, what's the chief end of man? And they, everybody kind of parrots back. It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And it's usually said like, and enjoy him forever. And along comes Piper. And I think he says, wait a minute, guys, it's not enjoy him forever means it's actually okay for Christians to have joy. Right, Scott? Is oh, that, right. Do we, I think we missed that somewhere earlier. It's funny that you, you mentioned the um, the opening line of the, the, uh, the confession because... Pastor John has uh, used this example. Uh, it's both in the book Desiring God and the introduction, as well as I've heard it in many sermons before. But it's the the notion that it's not uh, the chief ends plural mm. is glorifying Him and enjoying Him. It's a singular end. The chief end period is right. to glorify Him and enjoy Him. And so he likes to potentially bring a a mild edit to the <laughs> Westminster Confession of Faith by saying it this way: the chief end of man is to in it is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And that's the tagline if you want to put it in those terms. It's just a real it's a it's a it's a poetry summary statement in poetic form of of what it is that Pastor John and and Desiring God is all about. And it simply says this that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I think to your point, David, that that God has raised up these men in our generation that have had such influence on the church, and I think what Pastor John has brought to that, um, that you know, he's one voice in the choir of what God has been doing in our day. He brought that very biblical, um, uh, uh, very Augustinian, uh, very mm-hmm. Edwardsian mm-hmm. notion that the affections are important. Religious affections are not just important, but they're vital. You were yeah. born to know glory, and there is no greater joy in all of the universe than knowing 
the mm. glory of God. So those desires are not in competition with one another. Right. They're the same desire. Mm-hmm. So we're really not supposed to be frozen chosen is the bottom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that there is truth to that because Absolutely. I think we – and what is – and somebody's listening, okay, where are you guys going with all this? Well, where we're going with it is certainly what I think what Piper brought into the world of – of the church and into those of us who are following after Christ is that we should actually do so with sort of this reckless, joyful abandonment. This is not, and we're not talking about let's just be silly and throw youth group marshmallows at each other. We're talking about a deep abiding joy that penetrates all aspects of life. Yeah. We don't minimize truth in any way at all. We actually go hard after the Bible and in thinking hard and um, and that those things are, are what fuel truth is what fuels the spiritual affections, which in turn fuel yeah. your desire for more of God's right. truth. So it really is a, a beautiful thing. And I think the, you know, so here, why is it? So we're all dads, we're all part of, um, we've got kids in classical Christian schools. I know for me in my own journey, we've talked about this, this idea that education is not just reading, writing, arithmetic, kind of a wooden understanding of go get this education and then churches over on this side of your life and the things that really excite you are on another side of your life. And, you know, folks like James K. Smith come along, came along and wrote Desiring the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Others have sort of referenced back to what was really Edward saying, hey, look, guys, if you want to win the battle, and this is the bottom line, if you want your kids to walk for life with Jesus, they've got to really love the things that Je- they've got to love the good. They've got to love Jesus. It's not just a cognitive ascension to we believe these things. Now let's go have life over here in a different arena. So I, I don't, th- this is I think the connection um, that I, I hope we can we can make in this process. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis is another one. Uh, mm. You know, he talks about it's not that our desires are too strong, but that our desires are too weak. And that's mm. that quote many have heard about. You know, like a child fooling about in slums when making mud pies because you can't imagine what a holiday at the sea is like. Yeah. And there's a sense in which we've just settled for this kind of bland, milk toasty, boring. God is boring. Church is boring. My Bible's boring. Why do I care? And Piper's come along and said, "Boy, there's everything you were made for yeah. is right there." That's right. That's Pursue right. it passionately. Yeah. The 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 supremacy of God in all things, whether that's in drinking orange juice or whether that's in worshiping on the Lord's day. The supremacy of God in all things is the key to unlocking the joy that God has built into the fabric of the universe as he's making himself known in yeah. all things. And that's the challenge because, uh, you know, that Lewis quote is really, really powerful. But for this generation, it might sound a little antiquated, namely mud pies in the streets and, and a holiday at the Unless sea. Unless it was a digital mud pie. Exactly. We, right. Right. You could Instagram your friend. Right. Right. I, I talk to my boys a lot about the fact that there is a sense in which... Um, um, given the culture current that we are born into and that we swim in and we, we try to maybe swim against, uh, there's there's certain things that unless we actively fight for them, if we're not fighting for joy and fueling our joy by seeing God in everything, like the iPhone advertisement will win your heart every time. <laughs> the sports jersey, yeah. the, like yeah. fill in the cultural blank, that will win the heart if God is not at work there. Yeah. And and that happens by us working out our salvation because it's God that's working in us. And so it's a both and where yeah. we have to work hard, be in the word and be seeing. And, and frankly, we need our churches and our schools to be pointing us to God's uh, supremacy in everything yeah. because the way the culture is is he's almost completely absent yeah. and in the absence of God then just uh, the latest trend the latest song the latest habit the latest the le- craze will yeah. always gain the affectional place in our heart and you're right it is all about the, f- the fighting for affection not yeah. just truth 
And so which, we're yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, which brings us around to classical Christian. Education. Oh, we're going to talk about <laughs> yes. that today. I was enjoying trying to imagine what a digital mud pie. Well, the supremacy like, uh, yeah. of God in all things. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you're going to learn about things, it's good to learn about how that works. Yeah. So we're we're going to take a break, but I think we're going to come back and and that's where we're going to go is just figure out what does this have to do with school? Because I, again, I think the tendency for most of us we grew up where school is compartmentalized and to just serving one particular need to get you off to college, it is the battleground where these affections are being formed. And if we figure out how to leverage that environment, that's the thing that creates a desire deep within our kids to love Jesus, but also to embrace life fully. So we'll be right back with Scott Anderson, President and CEO of Desiring God, and David Goodwin. It's like President's Day, a president of the Association of Classical Christian Schools. And I'm the president of Basecamp, by the way. So we'll be right back. We're back in the studio, continuing this conversation with Scott Anderson, uh, President and CEO of Desiring God, and David Goodwin, President of ACCS, talking about the reality that God made us to desire um, Him and to experience God at a level way more than just knowing the right answers. And I think when I think about kids today, I keep thinking it's haunted, I guess, by the, the old Barna stat that 80% of kids get to high school, Christian homes, Christian schools, wander off to college. Wander, go to college and then wander away from their faith. And that stickiness, I so believe, is tied to if your greatest love and desire is for Christ, then other things are going to feel, they're going to pale in comparison. And I guess that's what we're saying. I mean, Scott, being a dad, you guys put your kids intentionally in 16,000 hours in a school that really talked about shaping, that shapes affection. So Yeah, that's sure. right. We, we chose classical Christian education. It was... Uh, I mean, there's probably multiple layers of how I could describe it. One layer was when um, our kids were, uh, they were in a public school, had a a former missionary as the principal, had many uh, born-again believers who were on faculty. And so there was, uh, while there wasn't a direct applying of the supremacy of Christ in all things to what the kids were learning, especially in the early elementary, there was a, there was decent teaching going on and there was uh, some general sort of virtuous, noble, um, you know, morality principles that were somewhat inculcated because uh, we knew the faculty and we we knew that many of them were believers and whatnot. But then the day came where my oldest was going to go off to middle school. And uh, we were in a situation where we looked at homeschooling, but our life situation really just wasn't allowing for it at the time. And uh, we didn't think we could really afford uh, a Christian school. And so I took a, a stroll through the, um, the area middle school. Mm. And what I saw on just that, you know, 30 minutes of walking through that this school. This is your public middle school. Public yep. school yeah. yeah. In terms of what I saw literally on the walls of the school what was being promoted, what was being uh, displayed, and clearly displayed with enthusiasm. (laughs) We would say with affections. Uh, I just thought, there's no way. Mm. There's no way. It was a real penny drop moment for me where I just realized, okay, there there has to be something else out here, something else better. And then in our situation, the Lord did open the doors where... um, there was a tremendous amount of financial aid that was offered to us uh, and the Lord mm. provided in other ways such that we were able to make that pivot because we wanted our kids to be in the season of preparation, um, training, to go be in the war when they're an adult. We don't put them in the war when they're 12 right. years old. Right. And we just felt like the, this public school route was going to – they were going to be on the front lines of the battle and they didn't even have the – you know the artillery or the categories right. yet. So we really wanted them to be in a situ- uh, a circumstance where educationally they were being uh, equipped, they were learning, and then that they were also then being equipped with uh, a biblical understanding and, and rationale, but also a place where 
the teachers could directly go from the subject matter to the supremacy of Christ. Yeah. They can show how, how God uh, is in all of these things and that the hope would be that over time then that they would be in a crucible that would be forming them for the battle. Right. And again, we're just in that stage as, you know, we're just starting to launch. And so, so when I think, you know, I can imagine somebody's listening, they're thinking, okay, I, th- I think I'm following you guys, like God's in all things. Like, I mean, pantheism or like, what do you, I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> Not that. God's in the rocks. Like, I mean, what are we talking about really? I mean, practically right, speaking, right. I'm a parent. I thought that my, you know, the Christian non-classical thing down the street, good school, but you know, in that doing it too, Jesus is down there. I mean, certainly let's be clear, Jesus is everywhere and, and yeah. doesn't mean you're, God can't work in all school environments. But what you're saying, Scott, is you guys saw something different that really was going to shape your kids at a different level than just simply we memorized 10 Bible verses this week in, in our right. classroom. That's right. So unlike pantheism, which maybe would argue that God is the rock, um, we, uh, C.S. Lewis, I think it is, that gives that example of following the, the ray of sunlight back to its source. Yeah. And I think that's the most helpful rubric for me to sort of, whether I'm out driving with my kids or they've just won a soccer game or in Minnesota we have a pristine snowfall and the sun's <laughs> coming up on the frozen lake, is to just be intentional as a dad to take those moments in the very mundane sort of normal and boring moments of life, the rhythms of life that just present themselves to you every day, to be able to follow from the source of what you're seeing in that moment, follow it back. Mm. To how is this, why is this moment beautiful? Who is the author of beauty? Well, we know that that is the Lord. Strength and majesty are in his temple. And uh, Philippians tells us to think upon all these virtuous things. Well, why is that? Well, it's because he's the source of everything that's good and true and beautiful. And so I do that driving around as a dad, and we wanted our kids to be in a school where the teachers had the freedom to do that, whether that was in math class or whether that was in art class or whatnot. So, Scott, maybe you could speak to that in a little more concrete detail. If you think about um, the way education works, I think a lot of parents who walk into a middle school, as you did, might see – if they were to go into the science class, the edu- the evolution teaching, and they'd be worried about that. But I think what we're talking about here is that all everything you can know is cast in a different light depending on whether you believe that God is the center of the universe or that he's not. And so if you're learning about World War One and the beginning of World War One, how do you see the assassination of a duke? Or how do you see the course of modernity and its ideas leading to these things? So can, I don't know if you've encountered this with your kids as they've gone through classical uh, Christian education, but how, uh, how do you see it influencing just the mundane, like hexane molecules, almost anything, <laughs> anything right. you can think of is actually relevant to Christianity? Yeah, so I think there's a few things to say, and I'll just say this as an imperfect dad who's just in the midst of this, learning it himself, as well as not wanting to elevate any given Christian, classical Christian school to the status of doing it perfectly all the time. Right. But there is the, you know, the old adage that all truth is God's truth. And I think for for me, whether it's the examples that you cited or whatnot, I find just functionally 
that a, a God-entranced view of all things, it gives, uh, especially teenagers, something solid that they can sink their teeth into, that they can actually stop and question the currents of the culture around them because they have firm rooting under their feet, even if they don't fully get it. Just think about your examples that you just gave here, whether we're talking World War I and how it started or whether we're talking about uh, you know quarks at the subatomic level. If, if, if our kids are being shown um, all, through, through their educational lives that God's at the bottom of it all, the, the form of that teaching that that takes on over time builds a real deep sense of confidence, or at least it could and should. And, and it helps them come to grapple with verses like Psalm 115.3, God sits in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So it pleased the Lord to create stuff that's at the bottom of the ocean that we will never see, at least maybe in our lifetime, maybe future generations will. It pleased the Lord yeah. for whatever reason to have certain events. It doesn't mean that God is in any way the author of sin. Of course, we want to we want to uh, uh, keep that at, at <laughs> that at arm's length. But it does mean that He can be uh, trusted. If if He does whatever pleases Him, that means even the chaos of our lives and human history and things we can't fully understand or things we might not ever see at the bottom of the ocean. All of those are working together his good pleasure over time. And to some extent, not to oversimplify it, if a kid gets that, he's not far from the kingdom. Right. And I th it sounds, so I, I mean, as I hear you guys talk, I mean, it's really kind of, it's like two, to, two layers of hope we have. Layer one is just that a kid sees that God isn't just the guy they talk about on three three days ago, it's Wednesday, back on Sunday at church and has right. nothing to do. Like, he's everywhere all the time. And that's clearly an objective. But almost the second layer is, and therefore, there is something joyful about this. There, There's an, ex like, you think you're excited because the new iPhone 12 or whatever's coming out eventually. That's good, but that is nothing compared to the joy that you can have in knowing who you are. We yeah, just did an interview recently with our 12th grade um, uh, senior teacher on on purpose. It's like the, the whole point is that kids a day, there's depression rates are soaring. Kids don't have purpose. They don't know who they are. And it's not just a cognitive knowledge that God made the world. It's that God is actively at work and that your deepest fulfillment, the deepest longings are met in him. And like that's what I think even – that sounds like a church world. We do that every day through our literature, through our discussions, and so. Yeah, that, that, the, the notion that we were born, we were created to know glory, that, that the way God has wired the universe is that His, the unique display of His perfections permeate everything in existence, and that we were created to know that. Uh, it, it just it gives meaning to everything from the way that bird is flying to the technology on my phone to you name it. We're never without an object lesson to point our children to the sovereignty and the supremacy and yeah. the beauty of God. And we want to be awed. We were born to be awed. That's why we go to places like the Grand Canyon. It's why we go to Niagara Falls. And so whether that's a, a pristine snowfall or a beautiful sunset or a movie score that can bring you to tears, it's so beautiful. So how would Piper, he, you know? Piper calls this Christian hedonism. Right. So what, what connect the snow, snowfall and the, absolutely. The, how does that work? Well, these things that give us happiness are little tip-offs. They're sort of reminders or echoes or shadows that everybody was born with hardwiring to want to be happy. Pascal said it, you know, succinctly is that all men, all men crave happiness, even those that go to the gallows. Hmm. Right? So, I mean, sobering thought, but you were born to want to be happy. 
which our world has sort of we've created a oh, very co-opted that completely yeah, right and taken that sticky down, sweet superficial absolutely disposable absolutely right. i mean this is the garden of eden just on replay over and over yeah. and over again you look at what took place in the garden of eden that was a fight for the affections you look at how jesus defeated uh satan in the desert temptation that was a fight uh, of, of affections and then uh if you think of the warnings of like a first john it's the fight of affections. Like mm. it's all the universe is wired upon God getting mm. glory, his passion for his glory, and our passion for joy. Those things not being at odds. They they weren't mm. at odds originally. And because of the fall, they it's just it's it's it was the the seam that got ripped in all of human history that now especially Romans 8, this world being under a curse, waiting for the days when the sons of God will be revealed. What is that day? But that reunification of everything that, that moves us so deeply now, that gives us joy, that brings tears to our eyes, that fills us and inspires us with all, that day is coming when all that has been made bad <laughs> will be reunited again in the new heavens and the new earth. And of course, in human history, the decisive moment was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you have the, the, the work <laughs> that our souls most desire has been done in time and in space. And now we get to be a part of, and that's, oh, by the way, this is all just what I'm trying to, literally I had this conversation with my kids on the way to school the other day. I want to ride well, with you to school. <laughs> well, we were just listening to an Advent <laughs> devotional and it provoked a conversation about this and it was the beauty of the snow-filled drive. And before you know it, it's a chance to riff on God's glory and for me to say, boys, you were born for so much more than you know the 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 the, the fritters the, and the, the trinkets and the, off the Twinkies right. of this world. That's right. <laughs> Twinkies yeah. of this Scott, world. You know what that reminds me of is Lewis uh, in Abolition of Man talking about the modern educator <laughs> has lost the ability to see the sublime. Mm. He refers to a sublime cataract in a river, and he talks about how that the the truth. In the beauty of that is lost on yeah. the modern educator. So, so we're, time is short. So, David, we kind of with your. So, we've talked about just the world outside our doors ev and inside our doors. Everything is meant for us to point to the glory of God and to bring. And, and in that process, we're most satisfied. Which I love that that great quote from Piper. I mean, the, the very thing we're most satisfied is bringing mm -hmm. glory to Him, and it all kind of works in this beautiful cycle. That's right. But again. Okay, great. I dropped my kids off at school. I think I'm following you guys. What does that have to do with school? And why do our schools somehow better do that, Dave? I mean, we're not staring at waterfalls all day. And well, I, the, these are where those fancy words come in. We always use like I'm still back on cataract. Yeah. My eyes like floating down a river. I lost. Yeah, that I know. One. You think? Yeah. I was like, okay, keep going. Um, the, the, the pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty is what classical education is about. And when you think about that, that is inherently divine, because if you believe there is such a thing as truth, there is such a thing as goodness, and there is such a thing as beauty, you have to believe that it has its source in God. And what we're talking about here is a form of education or a form of worship, uh, in, in the case of uh, Piper, a form of uh, ministry that is that is dedicated to finding those three things. Yeah. And if you can think of the good life, it would be yeah. spending life pursuing God's truth, God's goodness. And, and God's when we beauty. read these hundreds of great books that have stood the test of time, they're not all... God glorifying. They're 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 gritty real books of real people bumbling their way through life and we extract out of that there is where truth, goodness and beauty is manifested. Right. And I think that's the point. It's a distillation that occurs in sixteen thousand hours. <laughs> Amazing. Well, this has been a great conversation. Scott, thanks for being with us. Thanks for letting us get a little glimpse into pleasure. your world. And Thank you. I still want to ride to school with you. I'm still back on that. <laughs> that, sounds, sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a really enriching time being with you. Well, thanks for all you do, and please express to John Piper our appreciation for his great ministry. And 
we are all um, blessed because of it. And we'll put in show notes links back to Desiring God and some of the resources there, which are certainly helpful. And Dave, thanks for being on again today. We'll have you guys back in the studio soon. Take care. You've been listening to Basecamp Live with Davies Owens. You know, raising the next generation isn't easy, so we hope you're refreshed and encouraged by what you've heard today. And if so, please invite others to listen. You can subscribe at BasecampLive.com, and we would invite you to join the conversation about ancient future education. Info at BasecampLive.com is that address. Please shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for joining us.